This program is part of the Infinite Potato Alliance. Visit us at infinitepotato.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. What? Scared the crap out of me. I told you we were starting. <laughs> you know how he starts the show, just like everyone knows how you start your shows, right? No, because they never hear it. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to do it four times. Hi, folks, and welcome to Starbase 66. No, okay. (laughs) Isn't it about time for somebody's favorite radio program? Attention, whoever you are. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Do I sound like I'm wearing a pizza? Hold on to your butt. And here we go. From the historic Infinite Potato Studios, this is Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Hasta la vista, baby. Join us as we dive deep into all fandoms and genres of cinema and television. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. No gatekeeping. No toxic fandom. A monkey's my fly out of my butt. Now, only inches from a tall glass of Diet Mountain Dew. Just give me something without any sugar in it, okay? Here is your host, Sean Ray. Sean. Shawnee, you're feeling a little loose? Never the Sean dog, because that's just lame. And I've never been one to chase balls. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. All right, it was a miracle. Can we go now? Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. My name is Sean Ray, and I'd just like to point out that having a temper and losing your temper are pretty much the same thing. Joining me tonight in the historic Cosmic Potato studio, we have Rick. How are you, sir? My genitals are especially... Oh, no, wait, wrong show. Um... (laughs) Yeah. Hi. <laughs> and Scott is here as well. How are you, sir? Uh, there are times where I have deep meaning, but no, there isn't. <laughs> and we are also being joined by Jeff Hughes. How are you? I'm doing well and have no funny comment. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Jeff is one of our top level contributors on Patreon, and we invited him to join us tonight. Uh, we will put that invitation out to others that are our top level contributors eventually. Uh, I know it may be a little difficult with some of our patrons that live in the UK because we kind of record at three o'clock in the morning for you guys, but, <laughs> but we'll figure something out, uh, one of these days. But tonight's show. This is just a test of your true dedication. <laughs> <laughs> tonight's show is being called, uh, Topic Roulette. So everyone has brought topics of discussion that they would like to bring up here on the show and have us all talk about them. And I don't know what they are. Mystic statement. (laughs) I don't know what they are because I I didn't want to be informed ahead of time what everything that we were going to talk about was going to be. But we're going to start with one. We're going to talk about it for about 10 minutes. I'll set a timer for 10 minutes. Uh, the, The 10 minutes, when you hear this sound... It means that it's time to move on to the next topic. But if you're in the middle of a sentence, you don't have to just stop. <laughs> but also, has got his wings. But also, if you are in the middle of a sentence, 
don't use the opportunity to inflame someone that you know is not going to be able to respond. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if, Rick, if you're the one talking and the bell goes off, don't say, and that's why I hate the Godfather. Because <laughs> I've already explained why I hate the Godfather. That's just, that's just going to continue things along. But, um, okay. So when you hear that bell, it means that whoever's talking at the moment needs to wrap up and we're going to move on to the next topic. So I will start with the first topic. Ding. And the first, yeah, <laughs> the first topic is going to be, what are you doing? So what are you watching? What are you playing? What are you listening to? What are you reading? That kind of thing. Uh, let, hold on. Let me, let me set this timer. I said I'll set a timer and then I forgot to actually do it. So, okay. 10 minutes. Um, last night, my wife and I went to see Shang-Chi at the drive-in and that movie was great. It was, it was funny. It had a really good story. It was engaging and it had some really good action scenes, some visual effects. I think one of the things that I liked about, um, the way that I saw it this time was that I only saw one trailer for it and I didn't see a lot of, a whole lot of preamble stuff telling me what everything, I didn't know there were people in the movie that I didn't even know were going to be in it. You know, um, there was a thing that came out, there was like a 10 minute thing that came out on Disney plus last week that you were supposed to watch to like prepare for it. I didn't watch it cause I didn't want to, I didn't want to know, you know, I'd seen one trailer and that's all I'd seen. So I kind of went in cold and I really enjoyed it. It was, it, it's a really good movie. And I think that if you're not somebody that has seen all of the Marvel movies, you'll be fine because these are all new characters. There are a couple of characters from other Marvel movies that show up. But the reason that they're there is completely explained and it's not really tied to anything else. And I don't think that you'll be lost at all. So I give Shang-Chi like five stars out of five. That was a really good nice. movie. I really, I really enjoyed it. So have any of you guys seen it at all? Nope. I have not seen it. No. Okay. Nope. And I don't know when I'm going to be able to, because usually, you know, I, my wife and I, I'll play, she, her, her days off are Monday and Tuesday. And so usually I can play hooky one of those days and we can sneak off and see a matinee. Uh, but this semester, which begins Monday, yes, I work on Labor Day. Uh, it's a school tradition, but I get shitloads of time off, so I really can't complain. Um, but uh, I have classes on every day of the week except Thursday this semester. So oh, I can't yeah. really sneak away at the in the first week of the term. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, we, I mean, we went to the drive-in to see it because I'm not comfortable going to a theater right now. So, we went, well, we went to, uh, I, I, I talked about this on a previous show. We went and saw Free Guy. Um, I did talk about this on a previous show, didn't I? Yeah, last week. Yeah. 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 Uh, and you know, we were like, you know, one of eight people in the theater, so it was fine. That's why I, you know, normally we like, a Monday or Tuesday matinee for that reason. Now it's even better. <laughs> yeah. 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 We, I mean, we went, the, uh, I got really upset for a few minutes because when we, we first got there and yeah, you can watch the movie in your car. Um, so you're distant that way. But if you go to the snack bar, you go to the bathroom, of course you're going to be around people and they have a restaurant there and we went in and got food and then took it back to our car to eat it. I didn't see, there were probably three or 400 people at the drive-in. They have four screens, you know, so, um, 
I didn't see a single person wearing a mask mm-hmm. other than my wife and I, you know, so that I was glad that we were <laughs> going to get away from everybody and get back to our car. But while we were waiting in line for the food and all that said, we had to be around people and stuff like that. So, uh, now, so does, that was- does your drive-in have <laughs> the little speakers that you hang on the window or do they have the, uh, the radio audio? No, it's the, I, that, I don't even, I don't think anybody does those speakers anymore. This is, it's all the, the radio thing. Yeah. I, I haven't been to a drive-in since yeah. God, I think the last <laughs> thing I saw the drive-in was Godzilla 2000 or the, 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 the Roland Emmerich. <laughs> Abomination Godzilla. Um, <laughs> yeah. See, the problem with drive-ins, there are drive-ins here in Florida. Um, but, you know, until we get into maybe December, it's still 85 degrees at midnight. And I am not going to sit in a closed car <laughs> to watch a movie. Oh, I'll crank the car, I crank the car up and run the air conditioner. Oh, my car can- would never take that kind of abuse for two hours. Just Oh, no, not, not the, not the whole time. I mean, I'll just turn, I'll turn on the air conditioner for 10 or 15 minutes, turn it back off, roll the windows down, get some air that way. And then, you know, when it kind of heats back up again, I'll turn the car back on, you know, hmm. but the, the temperature here in Birmingham at night has been kind of cool for the last uh, week or so. We haven't gotten, we haven't gotten up into the nineties in about a week now. So, Oh, bless you. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe fall is on the way. But, um, and the only, the other thing that I've been watching, uh, I watched the first three episodes of a show on Hulu called Only Murders in the Building. And Steve it's, Martin, uh, right? yeah, it's Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. And, uh, so far it's, it's pretty good. It's funny. It's, uh, and it's kind of, it's kind of about podcasting because, you know, there, a murder happens in their building and they decide to do a podcast about it. You know, <laughs> while they're trying to solve it, <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. I recommend that. So, all right. Anybody else? What, what do you guys, we got about five minutes left. What I, you guys been I just, I just the other day watched, um, a movie that I'd seen come up on, I think it's on Amazon prime, uh, often, but I'd always overlooked it cause I didn't know what it was. Uh, um, midsummer. I uh, don't know if you guys have seen it or not. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know it. that Boz yeah. highly recommends it, which means there is no way I'd get through it without yeah, being in a fetal I, position. I, I was thinking, Rick, that, yeah, maybe you shouldn't. But um, <laughs> but I, I didn't know it was a horror film at first because it's it, by the it, it doesn't sound like a horror film. And the the uh, the, the graphic for it is, a, you know, a, a oh, woman. That's with right. a, a, I, I read the Wikipedia synopsis. Yeah, I do not want yeah. to see this movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's what, what I'll say about it though. What, what really struck not the horror aspect and the the, the you know the, the kills and everything. It was it was just beautiful in terms of the cinematography. Yeah, it, uh, it's it it was a, I was watching it. It takes place in Sweden at a Swedish uh, like a like a cult, right? And during the summer, midsummer, um, where it's daylight most of the day. And they manage it. You wouldn't think it'd be an easy thing to make just cinematography wise, make bright daylight with a green fields and a bright blue sky be seriously creepy. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but they managed to do it. It was, it's, it's not for the faint of heart, but it was that it, uh, I mean, it, what they, they do, they tackle a lot of, uh, emotional uh, and mental health issues in the film, uh, um, like, trauma and dependency and abuse and that kind of thing um i, I won't say it has a, a bright and happy ending though so rick um <laughs> yeah like i said i read the synopsis and uh <laughs> if, if you like horror 
it, it, it's, it sounds, you know, and, and, you know, Jeff's giving it high marks and, and Boz, who most of you know, should know who Boz is. Um, he's a, a, an English friend of ours who is a horror aficionado. Um, and I think that's putting it mildly. He's been the host of a, you know, co-host of a few horror podcasts and, and, uh, you know, like his favorite film is Martyrs, which just hearing someone describe the plot messed me up for months. <laughs> so, uh, and he thinks, he thinks that, uh, that Midsummer is a really good movie. So if you're into horror, this is a good movie. If you are squeamish like me, stay away. <laughs> Scott, what about you? What have you, you been watching? Um, continuing my uh, uh, reimagined Battlestar Galactica rewatch, um, I am two or three episodes into the second season right now. Um, I usually watch that like when I'm having dinner after work, uh, unless there are new shows that I need to keep up on, like Titans, Lower Decks, What If, um, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, I don't count DC's Legends of Tomorrow because that is not worth taking my my time to watch on the big TV. I'll just you know watch that on my phone when I'm doing other stuff because that show's getting kind of uh, at, at least for me. <clears throat> um, uh, those are things that I'm watching uh, TV wise as far as movies go uh, in order to uh, keep up with and enjoy new episodes of. Uh, the We Hate Movies podcast, I've been watching uh, Mad Max movies, which I've only seen half of the movies to date. And I didn't even realize it, but I'd only seen the third and fourth movies. I'd never seen the first two. So I went back earlier this week and I watched the original Mad Max. Not a okay. very good movie, but not bad. It, it's one of those, maybe it's not a great movie to just watch on its own, but... Uh, it, it needs to be respected for its, its place in cinema, uh, what it accomplished, what it kicked off and what it means, uh, as far as cinema goes, if you can overlook the fact that Mel Gibson is a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mad Max or, uh, uh, yeah, Mad Max is kind of like Evil Dead in that the sequels are, are, you know, the, the, the series it created exceeds the the quality of of it you know what that is a really good way to put it i hadn't thought of it that way but it's absolutely right now i'm going in in an odd order because there was <clears throat> an episode of we hate movies uh their patreon special one of them is called we love movies where they talk about a, a good movie that they like and they cover the original and the companion episode was we hate movies and they covered beyond thunderdome so I watched one in three, and I still have never seen The Road Warrior yet. I'll watch that probably sometime this week. That is the best one. <laughs> that's 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 what I've been hearing. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. And the the re I, I know the bell just went off, but I just want to throw this out and not I hate Godfather. Um, the reason I compared <laughs> Road Warrior to or, or Mad Max to Evil Dead is that the Road Warrior I saw and didn't know it was a sequel. Right, yeah. right. It was right, released right. as the Road Warrior, and then it was after we saw it. Then it was like, oh, and this is Mad, you know, Mad Max Two, because in Europe they released it as Mad Max Two. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, 
But over here, it was just the Road Warrior. So again, like like with Ar- with Army of Darkness, I had no idea it was part. Yeah, of I experienced series. the Road Warrior as the first film myself, also. Yeah, when it was released, uh, when it first came out, uh, the Road Warrior. By then, the original Mad Max had only gotten a limited cinema release here in the U.S., and studios were afraid that uh, if people knew it was a sequel and they had never heard of the first one, that would hurt the box office. Um, so they they tweaked the title and changed it so people wouldn't have to be intimidated by it being uh, a, a part of a series that they had already missed out on. Yeah. Now, I've only seen the dubbed version of of Mad Max. Because when it was originally released in the U.S., producers thought that the the uh, that American audiences would not like Mel Gibson's Australian accent because he was born in I think Chicago but grew up in Australia. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when he did the Mad Max, you know the the Mad Max movies, he still had a really strong Australian accent. Mm-hmm. But then he dubbed himself for Mad the the American release, and he was able to do an American accent. But it's very clearly dubbed, and yeah. there is there is. I, I think on the DVDs now you can get the the original audio for it, but I've just never never got managed to get a hold of it. I, I just to add, just only because it has to do with the the dubbing it has nothing to do with anything else I'm watching. But have you guys seen the uh, uh, undubbed version of Hercules in New York, Arnold Schwarzenegger's first film? No, no. I would yeah. love to. <laughs> I got I had the DVD. At one point, I don't think I have it anymore, but he he did not speak English at the time and he learned the dialogue phonetically. Uh, And it's 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 honestly props to the man. It's it's better than you think it would be. Schwarzenegger (laughs) is, you know, it's easy to make fun of him, but he is one of the most admirable people ever. You know, if anyone deserves their fame and fortune, it's him. Because he worked his ass off for it. Yeah. All right, Jeff, what what topic did you bring for us? Uh, let's see. Which one do I want to do first? Um, all right. Well, we'll do the lighter-hearted one first. I, I recently was uh, thinking of what, other than Star Trek, was I a fan of as a little kid, sci-fi and genre-wise, that I haven't really gone back and seen, right? So I'm wondering if uh, there, 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 mine were two things that I went and try, tried to rediscover. One was uh, uh, Land of the Lost, mm. <laughs> um, and the other was Space 1999. Oh, I'm um, so sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's exactly my experience. The, um, uh, Space 1999. I'll do that quickly because I didn't get very far through it. I, I don't, I don't know how me as a, as a child you know seven eight years old i could have possibly loved this show as much as i did when i was that age because it was dry and boring as all kinds of hell it's like they (laughs) they it's like they intentionally try to take any kind of fun out of any of these characters lives there's there's no emotion um i mean it's it's just you know you can tell there's some good sci-fi writing there and it's it's you know i love the 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 models and the 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 eagle and all that but Mm -hmm. Um, they're it's beautiful looking, I think, but uh, it's it's just a, you know, uh, they they needed to uh, they needed to get a comedian on the writing staff or something to to <laughs> inject some life into it. Um, well, but, you know, a, a few years ago, I don't know if you if you heard the show uh, Ray Guns and Go Go Boots that I was co-host of. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
we did we watched the whole first season. Oh wow, yeah. And I had I did not remember how utterly bleak and humorless the entire series was. Um, but it was also, you know, mid seventies. That's one of the reasons why star Wars was such a hit because space 1999 was, you know, a perfect example of the state of not just science fiction, but fiction in general in the seventies, it was all doom and gloom and misery and, and, you know, everybody was pissed about Vietnam and, and the energy crisis and, and just the world was miserable in the mid seventies. And, and, and then Star Wars came along and went, yeah, we're not here and we're having fun. And yes, there's, mm-hmm. you know, good and evil, but it's all, you know, black hats, white hats and, and, you know, easily digestible and there's a happy ending. And, you know, you go back and watch Space 1999 or the, you know, in 1978, the very first, you know, Star Wars came out in 77 and, you know, swept the Oscars. It got 12 Oscars. Um, most of them for technic, on, you know, technical aspects. Um, and the year before that, Logan's Run won the Oscar. It was the very first Oscar for special effects. It was it actually shared it with, uh, I can't remember what the other one was, but it, it, Logan's Run and, and, uh, one, you know, so, and if you've ever seen the movie of Logan's Run, it is not a happy film. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, Space 1999 was, uh, um, Jerry Anderson, you know, Thunderbirds and, and Captain Scarlet and, and Stingray. Um, it was supposed to be, the, the, he did a show <clears throat> in the late sixties called UFO, which I really enjoyed. And actually UFO is where I got the idea for the show Ray Guns and Go-Go Boots because I tried watching it and I only got about four episodes in and it was so, 60s and misogynistic and and it was terrible and so i got the idea you know hey let's see how other science fiction shows from my childhood hold up and i found out that space 1999 came about because jerry anderson did ufo it was you know his first live you know show with real people instead of puppets and it got canceled so all of the but they had already done all the model work and stuff for a second season and the second season was going to take place on the moon. And so they just kind of retooled it all and made space 1999. Gotcha. I, I am curious because uh, big finish who does all the doctor who audios, the, the official audios, mm-hmm, um, yeah. uh, they did a series of space 1999 audios not too long ago. Haven't heard any of them, but I'm, I'm interested in checking them out just to see, do they do anything interesting with this? You know, because I mean, they they don't go into something and make it not listenable. So, I, yeah. uh, I I'm I'm curious about what they did with it. I've been I've been wanting to watch season two because I don't know that I ever watched season two as a kid. Um, and just just from what I've seen of it, I think it it was it was very different. They brought in a a, a shape shifting character named Romana, I think. No, I um, I don't think it was Romana, but it was. I remember the character. I remember watching it when I was a kid. I haven't seen it since. They they changed their costumes. I think they were a little brighter and yeah and and the doctor the guy that played the doctor basically at the end of season one he was like i am not doing this shit anymore <laughs> <He left. laughs> you mentioned uh land of the lost i think that was one of mine because i i loved that show when i was a kid and then they had a marathon a few years ago uh for labor day or memorial day or, or one of the summer holidays 
and it was right before the the Will Ferrell movie came out. They showed every episode of the whole series, and I recorded them on my DVR. I didn't sit and watch it all weekend, but you know, I, I recorded them on my DVR. And over the course of the next couple of months, I watched several of them, and it was not nearly as good as I remember it when I was a kid, but. The first two seasons were okay. I think it wasn't until the third season where I was yeah. just like, what in the world? I mean, they they ran out of ideas for one thing. They, they also decided they didn't need to hire good writers anymore. I mean, if you look yeah. at the, the credits for the first two seasons, I mean, you have writers, Larry Niven, you have Theodore Sturgeon, you have Ben Bova, um, you have DC Fontaine. write one or two? He did. He, he wrote one of the most in, in terms of the important plot of the whole stories. He, there was a, uh, it, for those of you who don't know, it involved, uh, a, a family going back in time, but not really back in time to a kind of separate dimension where yeah, they were in dinosaurs, you know, dinosaurs and, and, uh, um, uh, in a prehistoric type of environment. And there were these slea stacks, which were lizard creatures, right? They were, they were always uh, trying to avoid. Um, they met a, uh, a, uh, a character in one episode called Enoch, mm-hmm. uh, who became a regular character, um, which was written by Walter Koenig, that episode where he's introduced. And Enoch thought that he also had fallen from another dimension. And he was, I'm, I'm from the future of this land when the, the sleep stacks are more evolved than it turned out in the course of the episode. No, he's from the past. They devolved. Oh, know? yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. And Leonard Nimoy voiced him in the movie, and it was, uh, and it was, I mean, because you, you, they say Leonard Nimoy is in the movie, and then Leonard Nimoy's voice is in one scene of the movie or whatever. <laughs> but I remember in the third season, the guy that played the dad quit. He quit the show. So in the first episode of the season, they showed him kind of get zapped, and he gets sent back home. But it's not even him. It's just it's just some guy with a curly wig on, and they show him from the back, and he very cartoonishly waves his arms around and everything and disappears. And then just so happens their uncle was looking for them, and he <laughs> kind of showed up, and now he's stuck there with them, and now is you know their uncle and and, and the two of them. But it's I, uh, I was just very glad because a few years ago. Or probably wondering, Matt, when I started podcasting, of course, people started, we started talking about Land of the Lost and I, I had a bit of a crush on Holly and, uh, I look, I, I was like, well, this, you know, of course, you know, these are the memories of a, of a, you know, eight, nine year old kid, however old I was when it came out. Um, and then I looked it up and she's actually a couple of years older than me. So it's like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> oh yeah. I was watching it in reruns. It was, it, it, the whole show had played out before I, before I was even watching anything and they were showing it in reruns, but, um, Scott, what about you? You got, you got one that we got about a minute and a half. Uh, it's, it's old franchises that I used to like, and I haven't really gone back to, uh, the, the first thing that comes to mind, I suppose, is, uh, the original, uh, He-Man and the masters yeah. of the universe. Um, I, on Sean's recommendation, I started watching revelation, the Netflix, uh, five episode revival. Um, I fell asleep in episode three. I'll get back to it, but I was just, <laughs> I was really tired. I was really tired. Um, but I did try watching a few episodes of the original, um, like a couple months ago, just on a lark. 
And uh, I don't know what it is about those old, you know, animated shows from the 80s that kids would watch all the time that when we would sit down and watch them, these shows are amazing. This should be all TV ever. And then go back 30 years later, 35 years later, watch it again and say, this is awful. I can't sit through an episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That was done by Filmation, the same folks who did the uh, uh, Star Trek animated series. Yes, indeed. And Johnny Quest, which breaks my heart a little bit. <laughs> well, they did, uh, they did Super Friends too, right? I think so. Yeah. Fil- Filmation were all over the place in the 70s. All right. Who wants to do the next topic? Scott or Rick? Uh, Scott, you go ahead. I, I honestly, I don't have much, uh, cause you guys watch a whole lot more stuff than I do. Um, <laughs> All right, I, Scott. I was really just planning on kind of responding <laughs> to what you guys say. All right. Um, well, I, I wrote this one down and it turns out that Sean actually, um, led into this one pretty well with, uh, talking about going to see, um, uh, Shang-Chi, uh, and this topic is, is it irresponsible for uh, production companies and studios to release films exclusively in cinemas these days? Yes. Next topic. <laughs> <laughs> Irris- I, don't, I don't know if irresponsible is the word. Um, it, it, from a... In my opinion, which, but I'm not a, a, a bean counter in Hollywood. In my opinion, it's not smart business because there's a lot of people that are like me that are not going to theaters right now. And it would make a lot of sense to make their, to have a way for us to be able to enjoy the films without having to go to the theaters. But at the same time, you've got a lot of people that, I mean, just they don't care. <laughs> they're going to do what they want to do regardless. And, um, and they're, pa- and th- th- they'd pack the theater if they could. But, uh, I, so I don't know if irresponsible is the word. I just think it's not smart. Okay. I per- personally, I do think that it, it is a bit irresponsible. I can try to look at it from a studio's point of view and say, that to release it in theaters is the best way to maximize their profit margin. But at the same time, we're still not through this pandemic. We yeah. tried and there was improvement for a minute. And then the instant that they said, Hey, we did really good. We can start to, you know, relax things because we're getting back to normal. And the instant they said that like half of the country decided to drop all precautions that it took. Yeah. It took 12 months of begging and pleading and arm twisting and conjoling to get people to take the most basic precautions. And the instant you say you can relax a little bit, they stop all those precautions and things immediately get as bad as they were before and getting worse. And in the midst of that happening, Studios are saying, all right, this movie exclusively in theaters. If you want to see it, you have to go out in public. And because this is America, you know that plenty of people are going to be taking insufficient precautions. So Mm -hmm. people are going to get sick going to see this movie. But isn't it worth it to be able to go out and see something on a really big screen instead of a not quite as big screen like your TV? Because these days, let's be real, TVs these days, they're pretty big. 
compared to what they used to be. It's not like you're watching on some teeny tiny screen where you can't see anything. You're watching on 55 inches of you know high definition plasma. Mm-hmm. You can okay. see stuff at home. Even I if you are, have one of those, even but. if you are watching it on a small screen, those small screens are better quality than oh, hell you know yeah. you ever used to get from on a cheap old projector in a theater. My my HD TV is ten years old. Okay, it weighs like about as much as any three TVs do now, um, but it's still great, you know, especially compared to you know what I grew up watching. But, you know, I I was thinking about this. I, it didn't even occur to me to use this for a topic today um, because uh, my my daughter's friend's parents invited her to go with them to a, a trampoline place today. And mm. so she was gone from like 4 o'clock until about 8.30. And I debated. I was like, you know, we, you know, we normally don't go to the movies at quote-unquote normal times. But I'm like, Sharon's away, so maybe we could go see a movie, you know, go see Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi? Yeah. Um, but then I was like, and, but if we go at, you know, the five o'clock show on a Saturday, that place is going to be freaking packed. And I was yeah. like, I, I was like, no, absolutely not. Uh, you know, I, I, I was tempted for a moment and then I thought about it and I was like, no, that's completely foolish to do right now. I mean, it's bad enough that I live in Florida where the governor really just wants everybody dead that isn't making more than, you know, $200,000 a year or whatever. Um, And, you know, every every time, you know, my daughter, we, we've really impressed upon her the importance of wearing her mask at school, but there's no official follow-up on that. So I only have her word that she's doing it. Yeah. But like the other day she came home, she had lost her mask at, during PE and they didn't have another one for her. So she gets off the bus and she doesn't have a mask. You know, I, she's a ticking time bomb. I, you know, it's not, I, I can't decide if it's a matter of if or when she's going to bring the virus home. Um, you know, we're all, you know, all of us that can be vaccinated are, but you know, that's not, that's not proof against getting it. I have a, a, one of my oldest and dearest friends just got out of the hospital. Uh, you know, he's immunocompromised because he had a, he had a kidney transplant, uh, you know, about eight years ago. Uh, and he's been in and out of the hospital for all kinds of things. And then, uh, you know, uh, about two weeks ago, he gets freaking COVID and he's fully, he's fully vaccinated. The doctors told him that if he hadn't been vaccinated, he probably wouldn't have made it. Um, you know, it is not in any fucking way safe yet. And I'll stop now because I won't stop if I keep going. <laughs> but, but box office, man, box office numbers. I understand that the theater, the, the, the looking at it from a theater's point of view, if we don't open, then when this is over, there won't be a theater to go to because we're going to have to close down. But at the same time, it's human lives that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Do I want to have a world where there aren't any movie theaters or do I want to have a world where there's just not a lot of people because they all died? Well, I, I would love to see be the result of this is that movies go back to no, not being the multi million dollar enterprise. Cause you know, I'm, I'm, Never mind. Uh, uh, 
I'll save this topic for, I'll save this for my, for my, cause there is something I want to talk about. Uh, cool. Okay. Just. Hey, we spawned a new topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I have seen some theaters doing uh, during uh, this is um, renting themselves out a lot more. Yeah. Private yeah, parties. That. So, you know, hey, rent yourself out, rent, rent us out for two hours to see your own private movie with your friends that you know, you know, your private group. So it's not, you're not with a hundred strangers. You know what I'm saying? Um, or, you know, rent us out to play, you know, Xbox on the big screen, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's a way they can, they can get some kind of income without being dangerous to the general public. Yeah. Drive-ins are making a lot of money right now. And, and out in California, I read this week that they're actually starting to make some drive-in theaters that instead of using projection screens, they use LED screens so they can actually show movies during the day. So you can, you can go to the drive-in theater like in the afternoon and you can, and you can see just fine. So that's a uh, lot of money. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure like the, the, the drive-in theater here in town is $8, but you get, but you get a double feature. Yeah. I guarantee the ones with the LED screens are going to be closer to like $15 a ticket or something like that. Yeah, because that's a huge. I mean, I, I I I I haven't dealt with one myself, but I have friends who are in the you know who are in in the business of setting up for like big industrial, uh, uh, you know, conventions and 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 shows and stuff. And yeah, they're you know they regularly set up stuff like that, and those things are expensive as hell. I can't imagine what it would cost to get one the size of a drive-in movie theater screen. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like the like the the billboards that that they have in New York. I I don't know what kind of uh, <laughs> I don't know what the electric bill is on Times Square, but <laughs> <laughs> they got a lot of LED screens just all <laughs> over the place. And yeah, middle of the afternoon, you can see it just as good as you can at you know. I guess yeah, ten o'clock at night. Yeah, it's just a big so, TV then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, we got about 30 seconds left, but we can, Rick, you want to move on to our next topic? Yeah. Uh, I've been listening to, I, I started re-listening to uh, a, a book called The 50 Year Mission, which is, uh, I, I think I mentioned it before, just as a, as a, you should listen to this. It's the, the unauthorized oral history of the making of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it goes from pre TOS all the way up through Star Trek Beyond. And it, it's two volumes and I, you know, it's, so it's like, you know, 48 hours of, of audiobook, which is great. And it's all, you know, 90% of it is direct quotes from people that worked on the shows. And, um, it's great. It's wonderful. It's, it, it really gives you a, a, a great perspective from the people that were there of what it was like making Star Trek. And, um, a few weeks back, I found that the, the the people that wrote that book also just released Star Wars. Uh, you know, the, the same thing with Star Wars. And I've been listening to it. Um, and wow, it sounds like Lucas was a pain in the ass to work with. Almost as bad <laughs> as Roddenberry. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. It, 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 this isn't really a spoiler because there's just so many people talking, but it sounds like as much as we love Star Trek and Star Wars, the people making them, except for the people like actually in front of the camera, 
we're miserable <laughs> the whole time making these things. Um, but something, you know, what, what y'all were just talking about reminded me of, of something that was discussed during the, the early parts of the Star Wars book when they were talking about how, you know, we have for years, or at least I have, uh, and, you know, maybe I'm, I'm projecting, you know, I had always been under the belief that the studio system was terrible, that it abused people, it took advantage of people. Um, but when the studio system collapsed, uh, and if, if, if you, if you don't know what I mean by the studio system, folks, um, back in like the, the, the early days of film, you know, I guess with like the 40s, 50s, 60s, right up until the late 60s, early 70s, you had various studios. You had Warner Brothers, you had Desilu, you had Fox, you had RKO, and they all employed, for want of a better term, and I think they use this term, a stable of actors. And that's why you would see the same people in all of their movies. Um, because these people would be contracted to the studio. And so it would just be like, all right, you're in this movie next time. And you're in this movie next time. And, you know, if you go back, you'll see a lot of familiar faces, people like DeForest Kelly, William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, James Doohan, all these people came out of the, out of the, 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 uh, the, the studio system, even, you know, John Wayne and Elvis Presley, um, you know, they became, you know, occasionally you would get somebody, you know, a Cary Grant or an Elvis Presley or someone who would, you know, rise up to the point where they could just say, you know, screw you, I'm going to do what you want, what I want. But then everybody else in the film would still be from the studio. Yeah. Um, and so there were definitely downsides to it, but they weren't that worried about the box office gross on movies. So, you know, you would get movies that cost, you know, a few, not even a few hundred thousand. You know, granted, we're talking, you know, 1950s and 60s money. So, but, you know, you could make a movie for 20 grand. And if it made 25, you were fine because, you know, the, the studio was, was amortizing the, 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 the profits across all of their films. And every, they were able to do a lot more art because every film didn't have to make a billion dollars. And then when the studio system began to fall apart and the studios got bought out by corporations Mm -hmm. and that's what we're, you know, that's what we're at the peak of now. You know, everyone's complaining that every movie is a remake or a reboot or a sequel. That's because, you know, okay. Remember when, well, remember, and I, I, I know I keep doing this because I, I, I really have no concept of how old y'all were. When, um, <laughs> do y'all remember when Terminator two came out and it's, it was over a hundred million dollars and that was like headline. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Most expensive movie ever made. You know, now that's your catering budget. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but still, you know, a hundred million dollars is chump change in like a Marvel for a Marvel movie or something like that. Um, and investors are expecting to see literally billions come back on their investment. And so the downside to that is creativity goes out the window when bean counters uh, are running the show. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've heard the, the argument a lot where um, everything that comes out is a remake or it's a sequel, or which the sequel thing is not anything new. I mean, they've been since since the eighties. Every successful movie that came out that's going to get a sequel. That's going to get a a part three, a part four, or whatever. But yeah, they have to make movies that they know are going to make money. Mm-hmm. So they're less likely to take a gamble on a new concept than they are to put money into something that's a sequel to a thing that made money two years ago, mm-hmm. or that's a reboot to something that made a lot of money back in the sixties or whatever that that they think they'll be able to get a lot of people to come out to. So, or, or that everybody recognizes and yeah. will come out the opening weekend. And then who cares what happens after that? As long as they get their money back and, 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 and make a little on top of it, they're fine. Rick, you know what uh, your, your talk about the way the studio system used to work and how it led itself to uh, enabling more creativity because every individual project didn't have to be a blockbuster hit mm-hmm. made me think of is is what's happening now with all the different streaming services producing all their own original content uh, is that in a way uh, leading itself to a little bit of a return to that? Because I think, yeah, Paramount Plus can produce all these different Star Trek shows, and each one doesn't have to be a breakout hit for all Star Trek fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just yeah. all together add to the value of Paramount Plus. That's that's a really good observation because you know uh, in the streaming services, and I've heard this said many times. You know, you know, especially like with the with the Star Trek stuff, you know, it used to be you needed 20, 30 million eyes on your show to win the ratings and to, and to be considered a success. Now, with with the way the market is so diluted, you get a million people watching a show. Hey, that's that's a win. Um, yeah. And I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that that is where. uh Good thing where where uh, risks are allowed, because if a show only does a season, that's not that big a deal. Yeah, yeah, and there and people are able to take they're able to take more risks, and people are a little more creative with some of the stuff that we're seeing on streaming sites than what you're seeing out in in theaters and on network television and, and stuff like that. So. And, mm-hmm. and even the um, services that partially rely on advertising, like uh, like Paramount Plus, that has its ad-based version, um, you don't need, like in the old days of broadcasting, you had to, you had to appeal to millions of people because you didn't quite know who was watching. Mm-hmm. With a street Paramount Plus, maybe only a, you know, a significantly smaller amount of people are watching, but you know exactly who they are. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't have to be as large a group of people to be successful. That's the interesting thing about some of the streaming sites that do commercials. Um, if, if I watch a show and Rick watches the same show, we're not necessarily going to see the same commercials because no. they're going to, they, they know who I am. They know the kind of stuff that, that you know, my Google has told them what kind of stuff I buy <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and they know what kind of stuff to advertise towards Rick, you know, so, uh, so they can, they can target those ads a little better and possibly make a few extra dollars off of, off of their show that way. So, yeah. 
All right. Anybody else? We got about 40 seconds left on this topic. I hate the Godfather. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My next, the next topic I want to bring up is a game. We're just going to, we're going to play the IMDb game for a few minutes. Okay. And the, the, the thing that all the people on this game have in common is that they all turned 50 in 2021. So what I'm going to do is I'm going uh, I went to kids get off my lawn. I went to IMDb <laughs> earlier. I picked oh, one year uh, older than me. <laughs> I picked uh, four or younger actors, and when I say actor, uh, it can be an actor or an actress. But uh, and um, I've got a list of everything, every film and TV show that they were in. I am I omitted all the music videos and the video games and stuff like that. So just TV shows and movies that they were in starting at the beginning of their career. I'll go to the oldest thing first and I'll move back towards the present and I'll just name stuff and the year that it came out. And if you call this on, on, uh, on atomic trivia worth for 9,000, they called it IMDB bingo. And maybe, but if you, uh, if you think you know the answer, just call it out and I'm not going to, I'm not going to keep score or anything. We're just going to play for a few minutes, but, um, okay. So this person, the beginning of their career was 1992 with a, uh, movie called please pass the jock. And then they were on the TV series in 1992. They were in hanging with Mr. Cooper. Now, when I say the TV show, I'm not saying if they were a star of that show or if they were just in an episode. I don't know. Um, in 1993, this person was in The Meteor Man. 1994, House Party 3. 1995, Panther. 1995, Friday. Is this 19... one of the Brothers? Nope. 1995, Dead Presidents. 1997, The Fifth Element. Chris Tucker. It was Chris Tucker. That is correct. <laughs> Turns 50 this year. Uh, okay, this person's career started in 1993. This person was in Lipstick on Your Collar, which was a TV miniseries. Uh, 1993, Scarlet and Black. 1994, Being Human. 1994, Shallow Grave. 1994, Dog and Around. 1994, Screen One, which was a TV series. Drew Barrymore. Uh, nope. 1995, Kavana QC. That's Kavari. Uh, 1995, Blue Juice. 1996, <laughs> Train Spotting. 1996, Karaoke. 1996, The Pillow Book. This person was busy in 1996. 1996, they were in an episode of Tales from the Crypt. 1996, Emma. 96, Brassed Off. 97. Ewan McGregor. Yeah, that's it. Ewan McGregor, that is correct. I almost said that on Train Spotting, but I I figured that was too obvious. (laughs) (laughs) He turns 50 this year. Has anyone Uh, else seen Brassed Off besides me? No. I haven't. I never even heard of it. <laughs> I, I think I may have, but I don't remember it. All right. This person, 1996, Escape from It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, 
1997, Apartment 2F. That was a TV series. Uh, 1998, Tomorrow Night. 1998, Episode of Spin City. 1998, Saving Manhattan. 1999, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. 1998, Upright Citizens Brigade TV series. 2000, Zoe Loses It. 2000, Shortcuts. 2001, Wet Hot American Summer. 2001, Late Friday. 2001, North Hollywood. 2001, Undeclared. 2002, Martin and Orloff. 2003, Sick in the Head. 2003, Shortcut to Happiness. 2004, Mean Girls. 2004, Envy. 2004, Soundtracks Live. Uh, 2005, SpongeBob SquarePants. 2006, O'Grady. 2006, Wonder Chosen. 2006, Southland Tales. 2006, Man of the Year. 2006, Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny. Jack Black? Nope. Okay. 2006, <laughs> The X. 2007, Blades of Glory. 2007, On Broadway. Will 2007, Ferrell? no, not Will Ferrell. Uh, 2007, Shrek the Third. 2007, Mr. Woodcock. 2007, Wild Girls Gone. 2008, Hamlet 2. 2008, Horton Hears a Who. 2008, Baby Mama. God, 2009. Like the resume of crap movies. <laughs> <laughs> spring downtown, or spring breakdown, excuse me. Hey, they've continued uh, to work. 2009, yeah. Monsters vs. Aliens. 2009, The Mystery of Clay Woman. Uh, 2009, Alvin and the Chipmunks to Squeakwell. 2010, Freak Dance. 2010, The Secret World of Arietti. 2011, Hoodwink 2, Hood vs. Evil. 2011, Evan and the Chipmunks chipwrecked. Let, let me, let me, let me, let me just, if we haven't gotten it yet, is there really a chance we're going to? I don't know why not. <laughs> <laughs> you get, I mean, if you give up, um, I'm not, I'm just saying that like, you know, it, it, I would imagine it's pretty obvious by now that if, if I, I okay. clearly have no idea who you're talking about, but carry on. <laughs> Just trying to save you some breath. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, 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 I'll skip down. I'll go, I'll go down. 2015, Inside Out. 2015, Wet Hot American Summer, First Day of Camp. Uh, 2014, The Awesomes. 2015, A Very Merry Christmas. 2015, Sisters. Uh, 2016, Maya and Marty. 2017, The House. 2017, Wet Hot American Summer, 10 Years Later. Uh, 2017, Difficult People. 2017, Smilf TV series. Uh, nobody's got, okay. It's, Am- it's Amy Poehler. It's Amy Poehler. Okay. I never would have got that. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. This oh, yeah, would- I, yeah, there's, at one point, did you skip Parks and Recreation? Probably when I said, okay, I'll skip forward. 
<laughs> okay, so uh, I'll I'll make it easier for you. I'll skip forward and and skip the biggest thing that she's known for in her entire career. Okay. Other than yeah. I, I I purposely left Saturday Night Live out. I didn't think that was. Let me see how much time we've got left. Uh, oh, actually, we're out of time. Okay, <laughs> I did one more round. I, I, I don't think I think I didn't start even start the timer <laughs> and tell you the truth. I did one more round, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll do one that I think is a little easier. Um, okay, this person, their career started back in 1986 with, uh, Lucas, 1987, Square Dance, 1988, Beetlejuice, uh, 1988, yeah, Winona Ryder. That was too easy. Let me do one more. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. All I right, this person. It. I just, I just want to put it out there. I love Winona Ryder. <laughs> um, you know, I know that it, it, it became fashionable to dislike her. Um, but I think she's awesome. I've never disliked she her. She was, she was the only good thing in Alien 4. All right. This person started in 1993, Out All Night. That was a TV series. Uh, 1993 movie, a TV movie called The Substitute. Uh, 1994, Renaissance Man. 1995, The Basketball Diaries. 1996, Fear, 1996, uh, 1997, Traveler, 1997, Boogie Nights. Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. That is correct. All those people turned 50 this year. All right. Jeff, what's your, your next topic? Uh, my next topic actually, um, comes from an, an essay that I came across by, uh, Paul Cornell, who is a, uh, writer for doctor who he wrote um the episodes human nature and um also father's day for the new series um and he's also written some doctor who books like uh, uh, some and some novels um it's about it he published it in february of 2000, 2007 it's on paul if you want to read it it's called canonicity in doctor who and i i want to talk about how we as genre fiction fans use the term canon. Do we overuse it and apply it where to, to, to actually make it more difficult to enjoy the fiction? Oh, hell yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Especially <laughs> so with his, Doctor Who. Yeah. And his actually, it, it, it's a great essay. He wrote it. And basically what it says is Doctor Who has no canon. No, it doesn't. Because his definition, first of all, he goes into a great explanation of where the term came from in terms of its use with genre fiction, which was, it's of course a religious term, you know, coming from like the Catholic canon, meaning in terms of, of the Catholic church, what um, is uh, the canon of the Catholic church, the, the what is true religious. Um, but it was used when fans of Sherlock Holmes fiction in the early 20th century started differentiating what was written by Arthur Conan Doyle from what was not written by Arthur Conan Doyle. And they humorously, because they thought it would be funny, started calling the Conan Doyle stuff canon. Yeah. Because <laughs> they thought they were making fun of it. Like, it was a fun over, oh, that's the canon. You know, they thought they were being, and it took, you know, and ever since then, you know, we now call things that are real in fiction canon. Um, and his point in the essay is that Doctor Who doesn't have a canon. 
because what a canon is is when the producers or uh, uh, or people responsible for the show make a sp- specific designation as to this is what's uh, what's real and what's within the continuity of the show. You know, Star Trek has you know has done that. They say the movies and TV shows are what are in the canon. Um, Star Wars has done that. You know, the, the, these films and this these TV shows are in the canon. Doctor Who specifically has not. No one responsible for the BBC or anything has ever said this is canon. This is not. Now they they do. You know, obviously the TV show pays attention to continuity, which is some, which is not the same thing as canon. It's just how you enjoy the show and have it make sense. Yeah. Um, but they explicitly do not say this is canon. This is not canon. So you, I myself can get into all kinds of deep arguments with folks on Doctor Who forums about canon because, uh, lots of fans are of the belief that fans are somehow res- can create canon on their own. That oh, they I hate it when you yeah, say that. Yeah, like we we you know we we are you know it's it's canon because somehow this is what is canon doesn't grow organically like a writer decides what it is not yeah like but, you <laughs> when they when they say that canon is is a matter of opinion and it's like no yeah. canon is what the people that make the show say it is yeah yeah it it's not my rule the thing about canon is that uh, and we've talked about this on the Star Trek show a lot uh, over the last few years since Discovery started. Uh, when fans want the show to adhere to canon so strictly, then you don't allow your show. Your show can't grow exactly. beyond a certain point because if you have to, if your show becomes 50 or 60 years old, but you have to adhere to rules that were written by writers 50 years ago, uh, then, then eventually you're going to run out of places for your show to go. And, um, when you've got a, a show like Star Trek that started in the sixties with no budget, with cardboard, uh, uh, sets and things like that. And now you're trying to make a show in 2021, with 2021 visual effects, but have it set in the same time period. And people are like, no, that's not canon. You have to, you have, you, you have to keep the technology like this. Well, nobody, we don't want to do that. You know, we, <laughs> we're trying to make a good show, yeah. but, uh, Dr. Who, now there's certain things that I don't want to see. I don't want to see a Star Trek show where suddenly Spock is not a Vulcan or something like that. You know, uh, Dr. Who, famously made a uh, American TV movie in the nineties where doctor who uh, the doctor was suddenly half human and they, they said it in the script or whatever, you know, stuff like that, that just that completely changes first, everything. You my know, first that thing doctor. was in a couple of, of doctor who movies in the sixties where his name was Doctor Who, and mm-hmm. he was a he, human he, being. He, yeah, in the well, the, yeah, that was after something in the year. What was it? In the year twenty two sixty five or something like that. And I, you know, I saw them when I was five years old, and they scared the crap out of me, and they were fun. But nobody, no Doctor Who fan would go. They are canon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here is what you have to understand: um, is is especially Doctor Who when they were written when they were broadcast. They were broadcast to be shown once and yeah. maybe replayed another time and never with the idea that you would sit and binge watch them 50 years, 60 years later. 
you know it was never intended like that and those and even those movies you're talking about rick um if you put yourself in the perspective of a fan who watched them when they when they came out it wasn't that big of a stretch to you because remember all of that contradictory stuff uh, we know about the doctor now hadn't happened yet no yeah. you know although we, we we you know it had been mentioned in the show that he was an alien he was from another planet it had been you know but uh, it it, it the fact that in the movies he was from Earth and his name was Doctor Who wouldn't have been that big a deal to people watching the film at the time. No, in fact, um, you know, I saw I saw both of those movies on like, you know, Saturday, Sunday afternoon TV when I was literally five, six years old. Um, and then in 1979, 1980, I forget exactly when, uh, you know, my local PBS station announced that Doctor Who was coming. And I'm like, I remember that from way back. And it was the first episode of Doctor Who with Tom Baker, which if you've seen it, you know, it was called Robot. Robot. Yeah. And it's not good. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. It. I mean, it. it, it once you understand the Doctor Who, once you understand Doctor Who as the show, yes, it's fine. Although not one of their best ones, but it's still, it's, you know. You know, it starts with the third doctor, I forget who who played him, regenerating into Tom Baker. John which, Pertwee. Oh, was that Pertwee? I thought he, Pert, you know, yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, which was like, what the hell is going on? But then, you know, and then there's this, you know, robot basically that could have been, you know, every bit in in one of the, you know, 1950s serials. But I didn't care. It was fun, but I was confused because I'm like, well, you know, this doesn't jive with the Doctor Who that I saw when I was little, but Sarah Jane totally has my attention. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that uh, not just in Doctor Who, I, I think that we as fans uh, put too much into canon and mm -hmm. uh, we need to just kind of unclench a little bit. And like I said... Major changes just just to be changing stuff. That's one thing, but because oh, this doesn't work because uh, in this episode of this other show they did this thing, you know that's uh, <laughs> that's and a little much. That's a little. One thing I think I, I Star Trek fans that are perhaps a little bit younger than me that didn't grow up with the original series. I find do is they confuse the idea of Gene's vision with canon. Yeah. You know, they think, Oh, that's not canon. It's not Gene's vision. You know what? I don't think Gene had a very consistent view of canon. Honestly, he, it, it, it's sometimes Gene would, would declare things not canon just because he didn't like them. Or it didn't, you know, make it money. didn't make him money. Exactly. Yeah, Gene, Gene's vision could change with a with a stroke of a checkbook. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, personally, I have never been the biggest fan of the notion of hitching your wagon to the quote unquote vision of a uh, of a womanizing adulterous uh, substance abuser just because he had a good idea. Again, like I, like I said, re listen to or read. Li I think I think it works much better as an audiobook. Um, but you know, the fifty-year mission. 
if you think you know the history of Star Trek, which I did before I read this book or listened to this book, um, if you make a different, if you, if, okay, okay, I'm going to stop making a distinction between read and listen because I think they're close enough. If you want to argue with me about that, again, send me the emails. I'll gladly spar with you about that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Gene was a man who had a good idea and he heist Godfather. <laughs> no, finish your thought. <laughs> Go ahead, finish um, your thought. He had a he had a good idea and surrounded himself and and you know much like with George Lucas whose whose genius was in they, they both had this in common. They were very good at surrounding themselves with people who were a whole lot better at doing what they wanted to do than they were. Yeah. Yeah, Gene, Gene was at Star Trek was at its best when Gene was um, uh, getting people to do the details for him. Yeah, right. Yeah, Scott, you got another topic for us? Uh, yeah i I had considered throwing out that now I don't know how much time we have left, um, and I had considered posing the question. Uh, or the topic of movies that ended up being deeper than you would have expected. My example would have been Joe versus the volcano. But um, since we're, we're talking about canon and creating the stories, I'm, um, I, I'm going to, yes, it's going to be a hat trick. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to put, I'm going to toss out two topics and you guys get to pick which one it's going to be. I, these, these are both NCU related, by the way, either. What is, what do we think is next for the MCU as far as what's the next frontier they're going to conquer? They've done uh, serialized uh, cinematic storytelling. They've moved on to uh, making a big splash in streaming. Um, you know, what, where do we think they're going to expand to and grow into next? Or what do we think will be the next MCU, the next franchise or property or company that will, that will become so ubiquitous with entertainment? The MCU is huge. Everyone knows what the MCU is and most people watch it. What's going to be the next thing that captures the attention of the world in this way? I don't think there is going to be anything. I think the, I think the, the, uh, so we're going well, with question all, number I two. Have, I have no idea how to answer question number one. I am, you know, and, and if you guys do tell me to shut up and I'll, I will. No, let's go um, Now go for it. I, I think that the MCU is a cinematic phenomenon that is singular. Uh, I'm not saying that it will never happen again, but I don't think that we are going to see the next MCU happen anytime soon. I think that they did something, you know, I, I don't know enough about the behind the scenes stuff. I hope that they're there, you know, they're me. Okay. When star Wars was being made, there were tons of books that came out about the making of it. When star Trek was being made, Roddenberry had the making of star Trek come out. I read, you know, I read that book. I read the making of every Star Wars movie for the, the you know for for the original trilogy. Um, there are tons of documents about how these movies slash series were made. I haven't seen anything 
about the MCU. And that doesn't mean it's not there. I just haven't seen it. I would love to read it. I would love to get into, you know, I'm, I'm stunned that the, the, the single largest cinematic phenomenon that, that in the 20, you know, okay, of this generation. Oh, thank you. Generation. Cause, cause the century, it, it broke it, you know, it started, it started in the nineties, right? No, it started the MCU? 2008. No, 2008. Wait, 2008. Oh, okay. So, you know, Iron Man. Er, okay. I couldn't remember. It's feels like it's been there forever. Um, or I think the second Hulk film, right? Wasn't that the first? Well, that was well, Iron, Iron Man. Man. Iron yeah. Man really. I think Iron Man is the is the 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 the, the accepted beginning. Yeah, because yeah, Tony, Tony Tony was in the scene at the end of the the second Hulk film, so it was it started with Iron Man. And um, and they don't officially count Ang Lee's Hulk as part of the MCU. They took some like tonal elements and a few story elements and sort of. Gave them a little head nod in the Incredible Hulk, but but Hulk with Eric Bana is not part of the MCU. So Iron Man was the was the um, uh, instigating film. I, yeah. I think what you have to look at here is um, the reason the MCU was able to do what it did is it had Marvel's, you know. 50 year, however long history of storylines and characters, a lot of which ha- already had general public knowledge, at least on a surface level, right? So they were able to create this landscape of stories, which people could easily, easily accept. I, I just, it's ter- especially in terms of how we consume media and nowadays, you know, it's much more fragmented than it ever has been. You know, people aren't watching three networks anymore. They're watching a thousand different things. You know, I can't mm, predict what anybody's yeah. watching. So it's, I, it'd be very difficult for me to see going forward very many things which capture mass public attention in the same way. I just, I, I just don't know how that would happen. And I don't know that it was uh, the the point I was trying to get to was that I don't know that it was planned as well as it could have been, or maybe if it had been planned, it might not have worked. You know, I think it was, it was the perfect storm of extremely intelligent people, a shitload of money, uh, Jeff, like you said, a huge backstory to draw from and somebody, and I have no idea who got the idea of let's tie these all together because DC has been trying this for years. And, and, you know, you go back to the nineties and the eighties and there were some really awful attempts to make superhero movies. So it's not necessarily just having access to the subject matter because, you know, Go go back a couple of years to our to to the at home con and the that awful <laughs> Captain America movie we watched. Yeah, still on YouTube. You can still go and watch that. But to answer you to 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 your your what you were talking about a minute ago about there not being any uh, any books about the behind the scenes and stuff of Marvel, I think a lot of that's got to do with the fact that most of this stuff that Marvel is making, we love it. But it's aimed at 20 and 30 people in their 20s and their 30s and teenagers, you know, and 
they read, but they don't go to the bookstore and buy print. You know, they, they read stuff online and, uh, and they read smaller articles. They're not, they're not as likely to buy a entire book about the behind the scenes of this and this. They want to mm. read like shorter articles that, that they can see online and, and get their information that way. So they're not going to go to Barnes and Noble and buy a book. So Marvel's not going to put that out because, you know, we they're might gonna, buy it. They're going to look for 10 things you never knew. You never knew about the MCU. Right. Uh, like a screen rant. I want to kick them in the face. <laughs> well, it, it's not just screen rant. It's a bunch of places. It's screen rant. Yeah. It's CBR. Yeah. I, you know, screen rant has pitch meetings. So that's like the, the one pass that they get, but yeah, their in-house articles are, are it's like just every they're, they're, single they're one of those. So many things you missed about this. And then I watch it. I'm like, you never mind. <laughs> Yeah. I, and I'm not going to say too many bad words tonight. I'm trying to behave myself. I ex- I expect that um, the reason we haven't seen a whole lot as far as uh, taking us behind the scenes, giving us a peek behind the curtain at the MCU and, and how they make it, I think that the people in charge over at Marvel Studios uh, and Disney, because with companies this big, they have the uh, the means and the wherewithal to actually do this. And that is they keep a tight lid on a lot of how they do things. They don't want us to see how the sausage is made mm-hmm. because that will demystify this huge cinematic juggernaut that I, that they have created and that they are continuing to create. And from their position, especially with having plans to introduce the Fantastic Four, plans to introduce the X-Men, and scores more characters that we still haven't even seen on film yet at all. And certainly not in, in the MCU. They they have a lot more ground that they can cover. They have a lot more room to expand. They can keep on doing this for a while. I think that the general public will lose interest in the MCU and all Marvel related properties in theaters long before they run out of ideas. And I'm going to argue that the start of the MCU was not Iron Man. It was uh, Spider-Man's first live action appearance that I posted on the uh, Facebook page in the electric company <laughs> in the seventies. <70s. laughs> Spider-Man, where are you coming from? Spider-Man, nobody, nobody knows who you are. are. <laughs> yeah, I, I do agree. There should be at least some reference to, wait a minute, Nicholas Hammond. There should yeah. be, I, he should appear or they should reference him in some way in no way home. That, it just, that just seems like a gimme right there. Is he who was in the costume? He was in the TV show. The, oh, yeah. oh, that, oh, TV oh, show. that one. Oh, okay. yeah. 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 Um, so they, there's still a whole lot that the MCU can do uh, as far as making more movies and more properties and, and creating more content for us to consume. When, whenever it ends up happening, when they start to come down from their popularity, not when they get to the bottom, but after when, when it's clear, when the people making the MCU realize, okay, we have peaked. It's going to go downhill from here. We'll never reach that height again. 
then they might start loosening up and then we might start seeing some stuff come out about this is how it really was behind the scenes making the MCU. But they're not going to put any of that stuff out while they still have room to grow and room to improve. It will be when they're complete and it will be on the Blu-ray box set. Yeah, they're they're doing a little bit of behind the scenes kind of stuff on Disney Plus, but well, it's just like these short little vignettes. That they're yeah, they're, and, they're, and they're that, not that's really the polished. The scene. Yeah, they're that's just, the polished produced stuff that they make. Yeah. It they, it masquerades as a behind the scenes. It's a teaser for that movie and other movies. That's yeah. what those things are made to do. A real behind the scenes thing is you know like a book that someone puts in months of research and interviews and digging and fact-checking in order to put together a book to tell you this is what really went into making this movie. Whereas a 10-minute short where you can see cameras pointed at cameras, that's not behind the scenes. That's marketing. Yeah. All right, Rick, you want to do the last one? Um, yeah, just just really quickly. Uh, well, well, two things, real quick. I just want to say, much to my surprise, I am still loving What If, which was... I thought I would have no interest in it. And this, 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 this latest one with Dr. Strange, because the, the, the description is what if Dr. Strange lost his heart, not his hands. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what the bloody hell difference <laughs> with that? <man?" laughs> and boy, is it a great episode. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> on its own little movie. Yeah. Great. And Cumberbatch was in it. I was like, you guys finally convinced me that none of the real people were in it. And I was like, wow, this guy does a great Cumberbatch impression. And then I'm reading the credits and it's like really him. Oh, yeah, yeah. He came back. They they are doing a pretty good job of getting most of the people to come back and and reprise their role. Tilda Swinton came back as the ancient one. Um, uh, Like last uh, week, I thought, I thought, uh, what what, what was that? Oh, um the the last week the was, one where somebody was killing them off yeah um what if the avengers was killed were killed was that last week yeah something like that yeah no uh, um oh uh michael douglas I, huh michael douglas no 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 any anyway i i thought it was somebody else uh, i thought it was the the original i can't remember what it was oh it's probably iron man yeah Robbie Danny jr didn't come back no no I, I didn't expect yeah. him to but i was like the guy the guy doing stark sound oh yeah what if the avengers never happened and uh um anyway what if is a, is a great show I'm, I'm really enjoying it and you should watch it now scott did you fall Are asleep they- because you didn't like it or you fell asleep just because you were tired i fell asleep because i was tired i i okay. need to I need to start reminding myself that I can't watch more than one program in a row, whether it's a half hour program or a one hour program. It doesn't matter. I, I, I'm good for one set of closing credits. I will not make it to a second set of closing credits. So I watched lower decks and then I watched what if, and I, I can sort of piece together what happened throughout the episode, but a lot of the third act of the Dr. Strange episode it's kind of a blur for me. Nah, go back and watch it, man. That, yeah, that it, was a that was a good episode. Really, good. It, was a, it was really good. Now, I mean, folks, you know, um, do any of you know um, the animation style? Are they using motion capture? Is that how they're doing it? I don't, no, I don't think so. It's really good, though. I don't think so. I think it's just uh, traditional animation with a little bit of uh, CG mixed in with it. It's but, very uh, reminiscent yeah, it's of heavy really metal. Good. Yeah. Um, 
No, it's but, not motion uh, capture because that would be man. Motion capture would be expensive and that very time consuming. Lot, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah the no, other I, question I, I have is, you know, Jeff, you brought up Doctor Who. Um, what do y'all think about Jodie Whittaker and and uh, and um, Chris Chibnall leaving? I, I th- honestly, I, I it in terms of what has been traditional, it makes sense. Um, yeah, I wasn't surprised. Yeah, it. The only part that gives me a little bit of pause is her. It's going to be ending in twenty, uh, you know, twenty twenty two, and then one year later is the sixtieth anniversary. So there's a whole lot of talk in Doctor History about Doctor Who. I'm sorry, uh, communities about well, what's going to happen with sixtieth anniversary? Are we going to have an anniversary special? Are they going to introduce a new Doctor? They're not going. To, I, I very much doubt they're going to be able to get a new series up and running very quickly with a new showrunner and Doctor that quickly. Um, so that that's kind of the big uh, big question, at least in, in what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know the answer to that. I would assume that they would uh, do some kind of a special where they would introduce the new Doctor in that special, or. Maybe the I don't know. Maybe they'll just do like a documentary or something like that. Uh, but I, I heard that Jodie Whittaker is not. I mean, she's not doing like a actual final season. Isn't she just doing a couple of specials? No, she's no. Doing- there's there 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 are there are six episodes coming up. There's a six okay. episode season and then two specials. Three. Okay, so it's just like a shortened season. It's not because uh, the last few years I think Doctor Who seasons have been about twelve or fourteen episodes. So I guess I they're just they doing that. No, it was ten. A half season. Yeah, they yeah. they short the last couple of years they shortened them the number of episodes. They've also made them longer though. Yeah, um, like five yeah. minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, um, but the no the, the upcoming season is going to be six episodes, and then there are actually three um, specials. Oh, three in, se- three yeah. specials. Okay. The final one is coinciding with the BBC centennial anniversary. Um, it's part of that celebration of the 100 years of the BBC. Um, so we don't know anything about it or what's in, in, involved with it, but that's, that's the final special is going to be part of that celebration. Now, not, not, th- this wasn't planned as a plug, <laughs> but, um, uh, uh, Shane Thomas, uh, and, and I, and, um, I can't remember. I, I think it was who else was on the show. I'm totally blanking. Um, anyway, we 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 did a very long episode of of uh, analyzing Doctor Who. Oh, it was um. Oh, it was Jen. It was Jen. Uh, uh, from Starbase sixty six. That's right. Uh, uh, we we did a a uh, a rather lengthy discussion about this very topic that will be coming out soon. Uh, when he's done editing it. Where do you go to see like the if you want to watch the old Doctor Who stuff? It's hard. It's real hard to find it. Um, everything from Chris Eccleston on is easy to uh, find. It's I have a very simple place. answer. Uh, the streaming service BritBox. It, oh, okay. it BritBox. I think it's like six dollars a month or something like that, and they have all the classic Doctor Who that is available. Oh, oh, really? Okay. BritBox. Yes, but not everything yeah. is available. 
No, I mean, obviously there are missing episodes. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. but every, everything that is available, um, there may, you know, I, I, I say that, but I think there may be one or two, uh, Dalek episodes from the sixties that are not available, not available because of rights issues with, uh, Terry Nation who created the Daleks. But, um, other than that, nearly everything from Classic Doctor Who is available on BritBox, along with a lot of other classic British stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I know that Netflix had a lot of the stuff a few years ago. They didn't have like the entire series, but they would have some of the most well-known serials or whatever. They would show yeah, it those. It was patchy. Uh, you know, it was like if, yeah. if you wanted to see the, the, you know, the pyramids of Mars, that would be there. But if you wanted to see, you know, some of the more obscure episodes, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be. Yeah. And I think BBC a while back, it may have been around the time of the 50th anniversary. They did a thing where they, uh, like every week for a couple of months, they uh, they would focus on one doctor and they showed like a little 30 minute documentary about this doctor. Yeah. And then they would show it like an episode or they would show one of the serials or something like that. And uh, I enjoyed some of those, yeah. but some of those old doctor who episodes I haven't seen since I was a kid. I didn't start watching doctor who until uh, about halfway through Tom Baker's uh, time. And then I kind of fell off about the time of uh, probably the seventh doctor. I probably stopped. Yeah. I, I watched it at my grandmother's house on the weekends because she didn't have cable. <laughs> and, and so my dad, if I was at home, my dad was watching TV and he I'm not watching that crap. But uh, if I was spending the night over at my grandmother's house, she didn't have cable. So I would have it on PBS and they showed yeah. the old, the old ones. You know, so. you know li- li- listening to, um, uh, podcast from, uh, British folks who are, are old fans of old style Doctor Who. Um, one thing that I never realized as an American growing up in the seventies and eighties watching the Doctor Who reruns, we got it more often than they did. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, I mean, Toby Haydock, um, who is a, he, he does all the DVD commentaries for, and for, for Doctor Who. And he, he had a, a famous, a book and a special called, uh, Moths Ate My Doctor Who Scarf. He, um, he's very involved <laughs> in it. Yeah. And, but he, he has a podcast about it and he said, he, I was listening to it once and he said, Oh yeah, you know, they played this episode in, in it first aired in 1985. And then I got to watch it again when the BBC, rebroadcast it in 1990 you know and i'm like whoa um i mean they would have tom baker stuff on pbs here in the states running every week on a sunday night for years yeah you know and they didn't do that in britain you know they didn't get that it aired the one time maybe there'd be a rebroadcast but they didn't have the same kind of thing here where it would rebroadcast again and again and again so in a lot of ways american fans got it more intensely than the british did hmm. yeah yeah i remember uh when i was a teenager my favorite night of the week to watch uh pbs was uh saturday night because i i would see they would usually show an hour of Doctor Who, and then uh, and then they would show Red Dwarf, <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I got into that show. But. Red Dwarf is awesome. If you've never seen Red Dwarf, folks, you need to. It's an amazing. It, it, uh, did I ever tell you how how I the first time I ever saw Red Dwarf? Yeah, you were at a convention or something. Yeah, it was yeah. like the best possible way to ever be introduced to a show. It was great. 
Um, I just, I ran across it one night flipping through the channels and just happened to, I came across it just as I, I saw the, uh, the ship and I was like, Oh, a sci-fi show. Okay. I'm going to watch <laughs> this. And then, you know, the rest was history. All right. As we reach the end of the episode, I want you all to go to, uh, Patreon, our Patreon page at patreon.com slash infinite potato. That's where you go to support the show and help us bring you great content. Uh, you can help us out with a donation as little as $3 per month. If you get in on the five or $10 level, then you'll be listed as a producer and you may be invited to be on the show as Jeff was tonight. So, uh, also thanks to, uh, Bullet Bengal, Tom Corcoran and Dale Goodall for their donations. Um, but we, we, we put out, um, episodes early so we'll record this episode and then on patreon you'll be able to hear it about a week before everybody else will and we also before i do (laughs) you don't listen listen. to what i say (laughs) rick doesn't listen uh uh, but we also do some uh movie watches where we'll we'll watch a movie and we'll talk about it at the same time we watch it and if the, if the movie is in public domain, then you'll be able to watch the movie on the screen with us. If it's not, then you'll be able to hear us and you can watch the movie on your own if you want. But we, we put all that on Patreon once a month. And, uh, next, we're not doing one this month, but in, um, or we didn't do one in, uh, August, but in September, we will be doing the room and it'll be because, towards the end of the month. The last Sean week of hates me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be awesome. Uh, all right. Well, it's thank not you bad enough. Here. I had to sit through the people under the stairs. Now I've got to watch the room, too. Y'all Wait better until, appreciate this. Wait until you see what I dig up for October. All right. Uh, Jeff, thank you very much for joining us tonight. We appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for coming on board. Um, Rick, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? No. Okay. Scott wants to... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys know where to find me. Starbase 66, Open the Iris, that, uh, the Prime Direction, that Star Trek podcast, uh, occasionally on Captain Game Show, occasionally, well, I guess I'm always on this one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just all over the network. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm like that, that, that the cat puked under the table and you can't quite clean it all up in time. And, uh, that's a terrible analogy. I'm so sorry, folks. I'm really tired. <laughs> Uh, Scott, what about you? Where, where can everybody find you? Uh, people can find me here on Cosmic Potato. They can find me uh, often on that Star Trek podcast, occasionally on Captain Game Show. I no longer host the Prime Direction that has been passed over to uh, the inimitable Rick. I just like using that word, inimitable. I, I have no idea how to be inimitable, but I'm going to look it up. <laughs> Um, uh, however, I am uh, currently in pre-production of my upcoming podcast. I'd watch that for a dollar. A few episodes have been recorded and more will be recorded soon, uh, tomorrow, in fact, as of this recording. Um, so keep your eyes open for that one. Uh, I think that show is going to be a lot of fun. Going to talk about movies that most people have never heard of because I bought them at the dollar store. Uh, I actually liked the one you had me watch. Right, see, the right one. <laughs> see, full of surprises. This show will be. You, you know, there's um, a whole lot. There's a whole lot of uh, uh, Amazon Prime movies that seem like dollar movies. Oh, I, I have. Yeah. Uh, trust me. I <laughs> currently my uh, I, I have my media library up right now, and and I, I was going to say that uh, 
uh, for anyone wondering how do you get uh, old episodes of Doctor Who, well, ask me to share my Plex library with you, and you can take a look at the 695 episodes of the old school Doctor Who that I have. Um, <laughs> Plex but, robot? What's that? Yogi Gabba? No, I, you, this is, you're just talking gibberish now. Go to sleep. Um, as for my, uh, my movie library, I'm currently sitting at 1,210 movies in my, in my personal media library. Um, and. And the accumulated star rating is three. And I have put together. Uh, three folders equaling, uh, um, 81 movies that I am considering as backup films for, I'd watch that for a dollar. If I ever run out of physical media, I will start dipping into those 80 movies that I have set aside that I think are at about the dollar movie level. So FBI might be listening. They don't know what I'm talking about. I, these are all totally legit. Totally legit. I mean, who doesn't have their own copy of 1992's Lethal Ninja? <laughs> or their own copy? American Ninja. I want in on that show. American Ninja? Yeah. Which one? I have all five. The first one. <laughs> <laughs> that one is not that one is not in the folder. I have the fifth one in the folder. It's uh, uh it's just about it's three movies away from nineteen nineties uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shells tour. Uh, American Ninja is so bad it's hilarious. I, I can I can attest that that statement uh, holds true for all five movies in the series. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's going to do it for this week. If you want to know how to find us, then stay tuned. We'll let you know in just, uh, just a second. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to join us next time on Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast, when you might hear Scott say. You might hear Scott say that John sent you a you might hear John say. It's in your email. Yeah. Hold on. We all saw it, but you. <laughs> the only one who didn't see it was John. But this is good, though, because John said not to open it until you were ready to read it on the air. Remember, people, the next time you pass a mirror, it only takes a second to smile and wink, click your tongue, and do finger guns at your reflection. No one's watching but you, and I promise you'll be glad you did. You did. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> Hashtag you're welcome. Hashtag PSA. Hashtag ASAP. Hashtag ASPCA. Hashtag AARP. Hashtag Rick, go ahead and watch Shawshank Redemption. Hash no, Sean didn't just insert that. Hashtag that was actually me and not Sean. Hashtag thought I, though I realized it was out of the blue. Hashtag I stand by it. Hashtag I and I'm going to head out. Hashtag SpongeBob meme. Hashtag listen to Captain Game Show. Hashtag okay, now I'm done. Hashtag honestly, I didn't think he'd read all of these. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Fredo's going to leave without giving you a goodbye kiss. Help the show grow by leaving us a five-star rating and a review. 
or support the show by visiting us at patreon.com slash infinite potato. That's the worst goodbye I've ever heard. And you stole it from a movie. Be sure to join us again soon on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast, brought to you by InfinitePotato.com. Goodbye. This concludes our broadcast day.